This is Steve Robbins. Welcome to the Get It Done Guys, quick and dirty tips to work less and do more. I'm here today with Grammar Girl, Mignon Fogarty, and rather than interviewing her, she is going to be interviewing me. Welcome, Mignon. Thank you. I guess I feel like I should say thanks for being here, Stever. <laughs> <laughs> I, my pleasure. <laughs> Since I'm I, the interviewee. I've been here for a while. Interviewer. Yeah, it's been 12 yes. years. I, I I can't believe it's been 12 years. It is neither can I, and it's been a pretty fabulous 12 years. For people who are listening who don't know, I, my full-time job has never been anything productivity related. Uh you know, which is kind of interesting, but I, once upon a time, when I was, I think about 11 or 12 years old, my father was involved in some organization that had been taken over, not taken over in a business sense, but that was being run by somebody who was a, a self-made multimillionaire. And my father said, oh, let's go to hear this guy's orientation discussion. And we walked in and the guy said to everyone, okay, what needs to be done? And he wrote it all up on a piece of paper. And then he said, okay, this is our to-do list. Who's going to do which pieces? And then we all dispersed to go do the pieces. And I looked at my dad and I thought, wait, that's all there is to getting things done is you mm. make a list of what you're going to do and then you go do it. <laughs> and my father's like, but you know, this guy is, is wise and blah, blah. And so – Weirdly, from a very early age, I, I always remembered that. I was like, oh, like that's how this multimillionaire got things done is he wrote it down on a list and then just did the things on the list. And ever since then, that's how I've thought about about getting stuff done. You just make a list and you do the things. And of course, it turns out that at the age of 11 or 12 or whatever I was, I didn't understand things like procrastination or about the psychology of resistance or about the futility of doing things that don't work or all <laughs> kinds of other things that make it a little bit harder than it sounds at first glance. I was not necessarily originally going to do productivity. I asked you what you had found through your market research, what topics people wanted, and you wouldn't tell me. Yeah. All you would say was, you said, what do you want to do? What do you think would be the most fun? And well, because yeah. originally I had come to you with business strategy ideas and stuff. Yeah. Well, that's and, important because for podcasting, you know, you have to be passionate about what you're doing. I mean, to do it for 12 years, you, you know, maybe back then we weren't thinking it would last quite that long, <laughs> but, uh, you know, to, but we still knew it was, you know, to put out a weekly show, it has to be something not only that you're knowledgeable about, but that you're passionate about. And so, yeah, so actually over the 12 years, what, what have you learned about podcasting? How have you grown as a podcaster over that time? I've learned a bunch. Uh, and, and some of it is profound and some of it really isn't. One of the first things that I learned was that you have to learn how to read from a script. My first couple episodes, I told this, I, I had a, a business coach to help me with my business at that time. And I told my coach, I said, Oh, I'm doing this new podcast. You want to take a listen and tell me what you think. And this was someone who didn't mince words by any stretch of the imagination. He took a listen and he called me up and he said, you sound like you're reading from a script poorly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Oh my gosh. So it, it turns out that's a skill. You have to have to train your eyes to go a few words ahead and then hear in your mind the different intonations you could be using and then be able to get that to your lips fast enough that you don't stumble over what you're doing. And even once you're good at doing it, there are still different ways you can do it because you can read from a script in a way that sounds natural but still scripted. 
So it still sounds like you're reading from a script. And most of my episodes, I think, are done in that style. They don't sound like spontaneous conversation. Mm -hmm. But it is possible to read from a script and have it sound like spontaneous conversation. But that itself is even – it's almost like you have to take that first skill and amp it up a bunch. And I find that to be – I can do it, but I actually find that to be a lot more difficult to do because you – almost have to backfill what's the emotion that needs to be in my voice. How am I going to gonna boost the things that I want emphasized and remember to keep in the emotion and be reading ahead with my eyes? And it just, you know, it it is a skill. And I wasn't expecting that. I thought it was just going to be open your mouth and talk. It's not open your mouth and talk. It's there's a real skill. Well, it is for some people, though. That's one thing I've learned is that there are many, many different ways to podcast. I mean, I was on a, a panel a couple of weeks ago and the people on there, they did interview only podcasts and they told the audience, never script your podcast. And I was sitting there like, hello, <laughs> you know, I'm over here doing pretty well. <laughs> but, you know, there are fiction podcasts and there are interview podcasts and there are just, there are natural sound podcasts. And I tend to like the kind we do, the scripted, podcast because they don't waste your time. But I mean, I love interviews too, and I've been doing more of those lately. So I, I think one thing I've learned is that there are just a lot of different ways to do a podcast and none of them are right or wrong. Well, I guess I guess I would say it is wrong to sound like you're reading a script in a boring, stilted way, <laughs> but, but there are still a lot of different ways you can do it. And it depends on the format. If you're doing an interview podcast, having it be spontaneous makes a lot of sense. And you want to be skillful enough that you don't do a lot of ums and ahs and breathe into the microphone. Because even doing an interview, there are still skill-based things that you want to tweak in there so that it sounds natural and it sounds good without the, you know, um, the, uh, stuff that, that could, um, uh, you know, sound sort of awkward. Well, you know, that might not come across good. So you talked to a voice coach then before when you were getting started? I didn't know that. Yeah, I actually started taking voice lessons specifically for being able to speak into a microphone and to sound good and to have a resonant voice. And that then later turned into my interest in musical theater, amusingly enough. And I ended up using this, using the same voice teacher to learn how to sing. But initially I hired a voice teacher to help me get a resonant, more natural sounding voice for the podcast because I didn't like the way that I sounded in the first couple episodes. Oh, that's super interesting. I actually took voice lessons too. Um, the only person I could find in my town was a singing instructor. So I took singing lessons to um, also try to improve my voice for podcasting. That's so interesting that you did that too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So another thing that I learned is that people like a specific time and format. One of the strengths of Quick and Dirty Tips that, of course, was an absolute stroke of genius on the part of the person who founded the network. <laughs> I guess I don't actually have to try to kiss up to you anymore, right? Because <laughs> because I'm leaving, but, but if I did, um, is the format that we are quick, we are bite-sized, which means we have to be very efficient with the time and we have to be able to create scripts that contain all the information but are still engaging and informative. And a lot of people who do longer form podcasts aren't necessarily that tight in what they do, but of course, scripting a five-minute episode is a lot easier than scripting an hour-long episode. And for people who don't know about the relationship between how long things take when you script them and really try to get them tight, it's the ratio of prep time to delivery time is huge. It takes me it takes me generally two to three hours to write the script for a five-minute episode. Yeah. And then we do an editing pass. And then 
I actually record the voiceover. And to get six minutes of audio, I usually end up recording eight or nine minutes total. And I have to include the ads in that. And if I make a mistake, I don't start again from the beginning, but I start again from the previous paragraph. And then someone has to edit that. And the amount of work involved in creating a podcast is a lot more than people think. Oh, yeah. People are always surprised. Which is why when people say, oh, should I start a podcast? And I say, well, how long do you think it's going to take you every week? Because there's a lot of different things you could do with your time. And whether a podcast is the thing you should be doing really depends upon the goals that you have. Right. And actually, people are also surprised that interview-based podcasts like we're doing now takes a lot less time than doing a scripted show like we normally do. Um, it's it's vastly less time, except there are more technical difficulties. You know, we had technical problems when we were trying to start doing this. So there can be trade-offs, but, but scripted shows oh, yes. are much easier to produce. Something else I would say, too, that people don't necessarily think about is you do want to prepare talking points in advance. Even an interview podcast is, in order to be interesting to the listeners, is going to have to cover a bunch of territory. So for this episode, for example, I have a list of talking points. And although we're being very conversational about it, I am looking at the list. And one of the things I saw on the list was prepare your talking points in advance. So now I am mentioning that very item on the list because that's one of the talking points. Because since this is a podcast about helping people get things done, I want to make sure we actually give genuine tips in here. Now, I'm not doing it in my normal tip format, but so far we've already talked about rehearsing the way that you read, taking voice lessons if necessary, about having a regular format like the five-minute format, preparing your talking points in advance. So there's a lot of information here, and it sounds conversational, and it is conversational, and I have a list of talking points on the screen to make sure that we hit all of them. Right. So one of the things you wanted to talk about, actually, was um, keeping a regular schedule. And I think that sort of builds into the question, too, of how do you build an audience? Everyone always wants to know yes. how you build an audience. It turns out that just like small children, grown-ups like regularity. When you're on a podcast, you become people's friend. Even though they don't know you, it's just like actors, right? They they feel like they know you. Right. And you feel like you know them to a degree, even though you don't necessarily know specifically who, who everyone is. And part of having a friend, even if it's a if it's just a hallucination as you're listening to a podcast, is people like to be in touch and they like to know when they can encounter you, when you have something to offer them. So having a regular schedule I think is way more important than I first thought back when we started. And at this point, if I were doing something new, and I I will talk about what I'm doing next, and I, there may end up being a media component to it, I don't know. But if I were doing something new, I would probably rather do a regular schedule that's not as often than trying to do like, oh, I have some thoughts this this week, so I'll do three things this week, but then nothing next week. Instead, I would rather do like one thing every other week if that's what it takes to fit into my the production into my schedule. So people know first and third Wednesday, boom, they can tune in and that's when they get the next chapter of whatever it is that we're doing. Right. And it's funny because, you know, the one of the promises or features of podcasting is that it's not scheduled, that you can listen whenever you want, you know, in your car or at the gym or whenever you go. But it's more about human psychology than it is about the technology. And people, even if they're listening whenever they want, they want it to be there when they expect it, because that's the psychology that completely overrules anything having to do with the technology. Yeah. In weeks that I have skipped an episode or occasionally I've been late one or two days, only a few times in 12 years, but I mm -hmm. have, it has happened. And when it's happened, I have had people write me 
and say, hey, I went to look for your episode this morning and it wasn't there. Is everything okay? Right. Yeah. And, you know, I'm sitting here thinking like, really? Like you, you even know what day of the week I release on? I barely know what day of the week I release on. <laughs> right. Like you care about me more than my mom. My mom hasn't even called. You know? <laughs> exactly. Uh, which could be a good thing depending on how much your mom talks and how much you have to get done. But to get back to building an audience a little bit, there's two big things that I think it's really important that people understand. One is that if you're going to start a podcast, you're going to have to market that podcast. You have to get people to know about it. And I've heard people say they wanted to start a podcast to promote their business. And my advice is that's actually a really bad idea because first you have to promote the podcast. And if you're promoting, if you have to engage in an entire promotional effort, don't waste it on a podcast with the hope that your podcast will then jumpstart the business. Go promote your business directly in the first place. However, that said, once you have a business and you have an audience, a podcast is a great way to stay in touch with them. Right. To form that connection. Right. It's great for maintaining the connection. And if you look at the top podcasters, someone like Timothy Ferris, I mean, let's get real. Timothy Ferris started his podcast when he already had a mailing list of 25 million people. Yeah. So how amazing is it that he has such a large audience? The answer is not very, because he was able to prime that with a pre-existing gigantic audience. If other people can't do that, you have to build it from scratch. And there are really two things that I have found just in looking at how the audience has changed over the years and what events they seem to correspond to. And one is piggybacking on some other form of exposure. My initial audience came from doing the guest episode for you 12 mm -hmm. years ago. And I did a guest episode. And then like the next week, I had several thousand subscribers. Just yeah. boom. And then the second thing that's been very obvious is the times that I have been featured on the front page of iTunes, whether it's in the top podcasts, whether it's in the new podcasts back at the very beginning, when my book was launched and this, and it was in, in a new and noteworthy, it was given a little special, uh, a special bump there. Those periods of time account for more than any other effort we've engaged in. Yeah. And the reality is trending lists and top 10 lists, they're like amplifying machines. Anything that makes it up above that fold, well, lots more people see it and they go and listen to it to hear what it's like. And then if they like it, that pushes it even further up. So it becomes this positive feedback loop where once you get some exposure, that then creates even more exposure. But getting that first exposure can be really tricky. Right. And, and that reminds me of two things I often tell people. So when your show name is essential that it describes what you do, it shouldn't be cutesy or vague. Like people are making a decision in less than a second on whether to try your show. They need to glance at it and know what it's about. And the name is part of that. And two, your cover art matters far more than you probably think. It's just like how uh, book covers, book jackets, you know, the art on a book sells it. It's the same with a podcast. I mean, 2A <laughs> in the numbering scheme in my mind, 2A is that the platforms like uh, Stitcher and Apple Podcasts and Spotify they're more likely to feature your show if they think your cover art is gorgeous. So there's that human element when there's curation going on. You want them to love the look of your logo. And then to B, again, when people are scanning through, they're going to be more likely to look if they like, like, if they think your logo is beautiful, which is, you know, ridiculous. But again, human psychology. Yeah. Well, people say don't judge a book by its cover. And the reason they say that is because people do judge books by their cover. All right. the time. And that is, in fact, how, how people, that's how people make decisions about what to approach and what to investigate. And, and you're right too about people only having a second or two 
that they spend making that decision. I mean, think about how you and I, well, I can't speak for you. I know when I think about how I choose podcasts, it's, it's, ba- it's not based on listening to them. Usually it's based upon looking and saying, Oh, look, that looks interesting. Well, what does that even mean? It means that has an attractive cover art and it has a title that makes me intrigued enough to want to sample it. That's what it means to say that looks like some, that looks interesting. And right. you need to understand that other side of the equation of the people listening. So I am, I am leaving and my next, my next adventures, I don't know if there's going to be media involved or not. Uh, I'm thinking about doing a YouTube channel and Yay. it's not going to be on productivity. It's going to be on some aspect or aspects of business in general. For those listeners who don't know, I helped to develop the Harvard MBA curriculum many years ago. And I have always had a love of teaching people how to be effective business people and effective business leaders. And I am thinking about doing a YouTube channel that is oriented around Uh, It's oriented towards high potential millennials and younger about how to position yourself for upper management, but also how to think about business and how to learn the business skills in ways that I'm hoping are going to be a little bit more substantive than the, you know, here's how you write a business plan if you're an entrepreneur. And there are 9,000 of those out there. But what there isn't is a, once you have written your business plan and you have your business, what do you actually do to help ensure success? And I'm hoping to get into the, the managerial stuff about that. And then I'm also doing Get It Done Groups, which did arise directly out of the Get It Done Guy. And Get It Done Groups, which you can find at getitdonegroups.com, they're accountability groups and an accountability community for helping to get things done. Because honestly, that is one of the most effective techniques I have ever found for getting things done. The funny part is I was going to shut those down and in the process of shutting them down, everyone who was involved said, no, 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 we want to keep these going. And let's make them a thing where everybody who participates helps do a little bit of the facilitation. So at the end of the day, we all do almost no work to make them work. And and they keep going. And what happened was that moving over to a technology platform that allowed it to be self-administered also now is allowing it to scale, which means instead of sp- instead of charging a lot of money for them, I can charge a very small amount of money. And suddenly that opens me up to artists, actors who need to audition, grad students who need to finish their thesis, all kinds of self-employed people who are just getting started, who need to get into the habit of prospecting. So bizarrely, Rather than shutting down Get It Done groups, the steps I was taking to shut it down have now made it possible to offer it at a drastically reduced price to a much larger number of people. So that's going to be something that I am working on among my other projects that hopefully will be an awesome and great thing. And getitdonegroups.com for anyone who's interested in checking those out. That's wonderful. I know people found them very helpful. Yeah. Yeah. And there, and all of the things we do are stuff I've talked about in the Get It Done Guide. Yeah. So, okay. so it, what else, what else will you be doing? Well, and then the the other thing I really don't know in terms of, you know, I've talked about YouTube and, and you can find me on YouTube by just going to youtube.com slash Steve Robbins. It's not hard. Um, and, um, and then get it done groups. And then I have been wanting to kind of get back into the fray of doing things in, I'll call it real business. And what I mean by real business is multi-person businesses, kind of larger initiatives. And I've always wanted to save the world. We've got a lot of problems in the world, things like global warming, et cetera, you know, poverty, tremendous income inequality. And I have an opportunity that I can't talk about yet, which is an opportunity that would put me in a position of being part of a lever that can change significant portions of how certain businesses 
relate to having sustainable sustainable supply chains, about diversity and making sure that hiring practices get changed so that we have a more diverse workforce and a workforce that provides upward mobility for anyone who's competent, basically. And essentially, it just, this just fell in my lap. A, something that may involve being able to pursue the things that I care about as my personal social mission, but doing it in ways where I actually get paid for it and get paid well. So, that's the next thing, but again, can't talk about it until after it's signed, sealed, and delivered. <laughs> so I know you're not, uh, you don't live and breathe social media because you actually accomplish things. <laughs> you, you get things done <laughs> occasionally. And, um, but do you have a, a favorite social media or an email newsletter that people can sign up with or follow you so that you know as these things are sort of coming together in your future that people can be notified of what what your next step is or where to find you? Absolutely. The thing that everything is going to funnel through is my personal email list. And if you just go to steverrobbins.com, S-T-E-V-E-R-R-O-B-B-I-N-S.com, there is a pop-up that will pop up and you can sign up for my email list. It's a very low volume list. But when I'm doing something, when I'm doing a webinar or announcing a product or when I know what the heck I'm going to be doing and I'm going to be start to blogging, blog about it or do YouTube about it or whatever, whatever the next platform that I get involved with is, I'm going to announce it through that newsletter. So okay. that's the way to get a hold of me. Great. Well, Stever, it has been so wonderful working with you all these years. And I mean, we've become friends and I know we'll keep in touch and I just can't wait to see what you do next. Yeah, me, me neither, because I don't know what it's going to be yet. <laughs> but <laughs> Whatever thank it is, you, I know thank it'll you. be fabulous. <laughs> yes. And thank you, Mignon, for creating such a great network, for taking a chance on me 12 years ago when we had no idea if I could stand up and deliver, uh, and for being a great friend. And to everyone who's listening, this isn't quite my last episode. I want to thank all of you, too, because what's kept this going is the listeners and people's willingness to engage. And Get It Done Guy listeners are the people who have written in and and helped me and everyone else at QDT feel like what we're doing really matters. And thank you so, so much because we couldn't do it without you. The listeners make everything we do possible. It's true. This is Steve Robbins. Follow Get It Done Guy on Twitter and Facebook. If you want to get things done and you have initiatives that need more focus on a sustained period of time, join Get It Done Groups at getitdonegroups.com and find out more about how I can help you put your nose to the grindstone and get it done. Work less, do more, and have a great life.